So last week, we started our series on seeds, okay? Now, I want to remind you of something we said in this series, okay? A couple of lessons we learned real quick, right? Remember this. Stop planting bad seed or even so-so seed. You know, stop planting bad seed and start planting awesome seed. At the end of the service last week, I asked you, how many of you need God to do amazing, something amazing in your life? And hands went up. Every, you know, I'm probably 80% of the hands went up. I need something amazing. Well, then if you want amazing, you have to plant amazing. You don't get, you don't get amazing from so-so seed. You don't get amazing from ant seed. If you want, if you want, amazing, if you want an amazing harvest, you got to plant amazing seed, okay? Now, we're going to, this is a sermon series. You know what that means, right? That doesn't mean I've just got too much to preach in one week and we're breaking it up. No, it's a series. It's a journey. We're headed somewhere. I want to tell you some things. I want to share with you some things. Because it's information you need to know? No. Because what I was just praying a moment ago. Some of you, your marriages are crushing under the weight. Some of you, your lives, your spirits are crushing under the weight of the stuff that you're dealing with. That wasn't God's intent ever for your life. God never intended that we be running ragged from daylight to dark, just trying to figure out how to make life. He actually wants you to have awesome life. That's what his word says. He has come that we would have life, life more abundantly. He wants us to have that. That's why this sermon series, and that's why you don't need to just hear a little bit of it. You need to hear every week. If you missed last week, go to the podcast. If you don't know where that's at, just go to church2911.com. Look at the bottom of the page, podcast, go and listen to last week's sermon just to set this up, okay? Because the, the next three weeks, we're going to deal with several things. We're going to deal with dream. We're going to deal with, with, you know, how God gives us an awesome dream. We're going to deal with faith. We're going to deal with effort. Now, I know some of you are waiting for me to just give you the magic potion, you know, let's just pour it over you or something or pour it in you. I, my fourth grade teacher, she said she wished that all of our skulls were like screw tops and she could just unscrew the top, pour in all the, all the information we needed, screw it back, send us home to our moms. I can't do that to you. I can't, do, there's, there's no secret potion. It's going to take effort because if you want to harvest, you got to sow, you got to plant. There's something for you to do, Okay. So it's, it's, we're going to talk about dreams, we're going to talk about faith, we're going to talk uh, about uh, the effort, and we're going to talk about potential, and we're going to talk about praise. We're going to talk about that over the next three weeks. You're going to see it just interspersed through all these next three weeks of sermons, but you need to get all of this, okay? You need to, you need to get all of this, all right? So let me, let, me, let me start right here with this about 2911. Just, just kind of set this up because some of, you, some of you know the answer to this, I think, maybe, is that at 2911, one of the things we've always said is that we refuse to be defined by our, what was it? Building. building. Yes, but that's not what I want to talk to you about this morning. But yes, that's right. Let me, let me say this and let me explain to you what we mean. We were in a really small building and I knew if we were defined by our building, we would continue to stay small. We would just say, well, we, you know, we only need to reach 20, 30 people, you know, and it's going to be kind of half full or whatever. And, you know, and, and, and so we couldn't be defined by that. And it was an older building, you know, and it was, you know, it, it was built by a bunch of, bunch of men back about 30, 40 years ago. It was an older and small building and needed updating a lot. And so we've always said that. And even right here, we're not defined by this building, even though this is a really awesome building to be in. Thank God for this building. This is an awesome place to be, uh, this location. But we're not defined by the building. And because of that, 
We were, never, we were never about the big. You know, the Church of Christ, they've always been that way. I don't know if you know the Church of Christ, but they've traditionally, historically, back years ago, now they don't say it as much anymore, but they used to, they would never say, we, the church, meet so-and-so. The church was always the building. The church was always the people that met in the building. So they would never, never call the, the building the church. They would say, the Church of Christ, like the Gardendale Church of Christ, meets here. They wouldn't say this, is, but, you know, we, we kind of don't look at it that way. We've always called the building. And so that was one of the reasons we said this. But I want to tell you about something else. You know, see, when, when we say we won't let those things define us, then we start reaching beyond the parameters of what those things are. So I want to tell you about something else that I refuse, and I hope you'll join with me this morning. We've said this before, but not very much. So I, want, I hope you'll join with me is that we refuse. There's, a, there's a something else that we refuse to allow to define us. And it starts with a B also. Any ideas? We ain't got time for that. We, you know, everybody can throw theirs out or whatever. Here it is. Is we refuse to be defined by our budget. Okay. Now this, this sometimes scares accountants to death, right? That sounds like they are not going to live within their means. That's not what we're saying. Not saying live, not live within their means. My, my secular background, my dad was a CPA slash pastor. He was, he was by vocation, CPA all of my life. I, I still call him for advice on some things. Called him just, uh, just two or three weeks ago about something. So this is the background, okay? So, so, so don't be nervous about what I'm saying here. Listen to what I'm saying here. It's because most churches, this is what most churches do, is they, is they look at the budget and say, okay, we can afford to do this. What they are doing is they are letting their vision be defined by the budget, the problem is the budget is what you and I can afford to give into those bags at the end of every service every week. And the problem with that is, is there are over, you, you know the stat, right? You've heard it. If you've been here before, you've heard, you've heard it if you've been here a while, is that there are over 20,000 people in North Jefferson County alone that do not know, do not have a, a home church or a church that they're even affiliated with. There is no amount of money that you and I can, can get together and put in those bags that we can reach you know, even half or a fourth of those people, but all of those people need to be reached in one way or the other. And so, so when, we, when we look at our budget and say, well, all we can do is this, then we are letting our mission be defined by our budget. It has to be the other way around. You cannot let your vision and your mission be defined by your budget. Your budget must be defined by your vision or your mission. Yeah, because, and we've had to do this a lot of times. We've had to look and say, well, we need to do so-and-so. Well, we ain't got the money to do that. Well, then we got to quit doing some of the things that aren't necessary anymore and take the money that we do and use it over here. And sometimes we've had to find money in that way. Sometimes we've had to pray. Sometimes we've had to sacrifice and to put money in. There's not been a lot of those times. If anybody's been here a while, you need to help me say amen. There have not been very, there have been, I can't even think of times that pastor has come to you and asked you for an offering because we had to pay a light bill. Come on, somebody. I've never asked you to, to give an extra offering because we can't pay the light bill. Or we, we got to pay, we got to have a, another staff member. Or we got to have, you know why? Because even though sometimes we've had to work, work a little bit to get it done, most of the time when we have said we're not going to let the budget define the vision that God has given us, but the vision God has given us is going to define our budget because we've said that most of the time whenever there's been a need, God just shows up and does it. He just takes care of it. I mean, this was very early on in, 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 in who we are as a church. Is, is, uh, I was asked by uh, Cecil Pagel, the director of the uh, Bread of Life Orphanage in Romania, I was asked if we could help, if we could help dig a well. They needed a well because the city water there was horrible. Those of you who are here for a while, you know. I mean, the city water was this color. 
I, that was... It was a good decision my wife made today to have me wear this shirt, wasn't it? I, I just looked down and said, you know, I was thinking about what, this is the color. This is the color. And so they asked us to help dig a well. And I said, we don't want to help. We want to do it. Tell us how much it, and he said, well, they, they're telling us $3,500, something, $3,500, or something. I said, okay. He said, but you know, it's probably going to be more because that's what they're telling us. And he said, if we hit rock or whatever. And, and you know what? Amazing things began to happen. And this, this, was, this was right after our launch. Amazing things began to happen. And, and God blessed. And we sent over $10,000 that they dug the well. And then they had money to do a lot of other things with. Can you say praise God if you've never heard that story? Amen. But if we had let our vision be defined by our budget, we'd say, oh, we can't, 35, oh, no, we can't do that. So that's what I'm talking about. You can't let your vision be defined by your budget because we're dreaming bigger than us. I'm not dreaming as big as I can do. I'm not dreaming as big as you. We're dreaming bigger than us. Why? Because we are relying not on our budget. We're relying on the budget of heaven. And the budget of heaven is immeasurable. The budget of heaven is innumerable. There, there is no amount that is too big for the budget of heaven. And when we look and we say, I, I just got a message last night. I've been corresponding with somebody who just found a, a, a lady who had to leave an abusive situation in a hurry. She has one lawn chair to her name. That's all she has. And so last night, this morning, we've been, we've been trying to figure out, you know, and, and you know, it'd be easy for me to just say, hey, let's, let's go write a check. But, you know, to, to probably give her everything she needs, I, you know, we would really drain some funds there to do everything she needs. And so we say, well, we can't do that, but we can't let our vision be defined by our budget. There is a way. There is a way for God to do everything that needs to be done for everybody. Our vision is bigger than us because we're not relying on our budget. We're relying on his budget. He can pay it all. He can do it all. So let me take you to a place. Let me take you to a story in the book of 1 Kings. And let me tell you, some, uh, those things that I mentioned to you a few moments ago, those five areas, all of them are in this story. The next two weeks, we're going to cover some of these things as well. But I want you to see all these things because of this one story. I want you to see this. 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 7. Uh, there's a drought in the land. It doesn't rain for three years. Sometime later, the brook dried up because there had been no rain. Then the word of the Lord came to him, Elijah was his prophet, and God had been sustaining him at the brook. It hadn't been any, any rain for three years, so finally even the brook where he was drinking water dried up. God said, go at once to Zarephath in the region of Sidon and stay there. I have directed a widow there to supply you with food. So Elijah went to Zarephath. When he came to the town gate, a widow was there gathering sticks. He called to her and asked, would you bring me a little water in a jar so I may have a drink? Let me, let me say something about this right here. When we get on into this mess, into the, the scriptures, we're going to read quite a few verses right here today in this message. When we, when we get on there, you're going to realize that the whole issue was really about the, the flour and the, the, the meal that she had and, and, the, and the oil that she had to cook with. But remember, there had been a drought for three years. And his first question was, and that doesn't sound like a big deal, he's sitting there and she walks by and he says, would you, would you fetch me some water because, you know, I'm really kind of thirsty. He was asking her for something that was really limited supply just by asking for a drink of water, okay? So I, I want you to understand this. And so as she starts to go, she starts to go get it. He's asked her for something already that she does not have enough, at, enough of, and she could look at her budget and say, wait a minute, I can't do this, but here's, oh, here's an old man sitting over here, and he really needs a drink of water. I think I'll go get him a drink of water. Already there's some faith beginning to work there. But if you'll notice something also there in the first of those verses, God says, I have directed a widow. He had already spoken to her. 
So she already had in her mind, wait a minute, there is somebody, uh, there's somebody I'm going to meet in the next couple of days or something that I got to take care of. God's already put this in my heart. I got to take care of somebody. Somebody needs to hear that this morning. You know, one of the reasons we miss all of our opportunities is we're not listening to God beforehand. And God wants to set us up that I've got somebody, I'm going to put somebody in, you, in your path that you're going to minister to. So when, so when he said, could you give me a little drink of water? She was probably thinking, that's easy. I thought God was going to have me do a lot for him. God just wants me to give a drink of water. You know, it would really be easy to take that first step. And God does that for us. He lets us take those little baby steps, just get us going until we realize what power is behind even our baby steps. And then it makes us want, oh, God, if you can do that through a baby step, show me what you can do through a bigger step. And show me what you can do through a giant step. Show me what you can do with a, a major leap of faith, God, that you want to call me to. But it starts with this. And so then while she's on her way to get the water, he says, and bring me a piece of bread, too. He wasn't shy, was he? I know most of you probably think that's the way preachers are, right? You know, anybody you get around chicken dinner or whatever, you know, pastor, he always wants the legs and, you know, and all that, you know, but he wasn't shy, was he? Let's go on verse, uh, verse 12 now. Um, and says, and here's, what, here's her reply. Bring me a piece of bread also, a little cake of bread. As surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread. I have only a handful of flour in a jar and a little olive oil in a jug. I am gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. Can I tell you something? She needed a bigger dream. Her dream was to go home and eat a last meal and die. She had been in the drought for three years. She had no doubt done everything she could to feed her son and herself, to keep herself alive so she could keep her son alive. She, and now she had been in this drought, and so now all she could see was drought and defeat and death, and she needed a bigger dream. And so do you. Some of you are asking for pittance from God. Some of you are asking for sips of water when he wants to pour a flood upon you. You need a bigger dream. Some of you are asking just to get through the day and not, not to have an argument with your spouse before you go to bed tonight. And God wants to give you an amazing marriage. You need a bigger dream. Some of you were just hoping God would, you know, if I could just get a couple extra hours a day at work, you know, that, that we could pay the bill. You're, you're hoping for that. And God has got an amazing plan for you. You just need to start dreaming bigger. And I started to put down here as a, as, as a subtitle for, for today's sermon, God-sized dreams. We need some God-sized dreams. Can I tell you about some I've got for 2911? I dream that atheists and agnostics and those who don't even know Jesus other than Merry Christmas will come to 2911 and will see something different in a face, in a handshake, in a hug, in an attitude or something. I dream that marriages that are falling apart will come and, and, and find a small group and maybe some good preaching, hopefully every once in a while on a Sunday as well but will find a small group and find other people to connect with that, that'll pour into them. I, 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 pray that, I pray that young singles who have lost their way because, because you know, the, the restraints are gone, the parameters are gone. Mom and dad, they're no longer in charge anymore, and so they can't figure out exactly where they fit and what all. I pray that young adults who have lost their way, singles, will come to 2911, and they'll find some direction. They'll find some understanding, they'll find some instruction, and they'll find somebody that doesn't, doesn't give it to them with a, with a baseball bat, but says, I'll show you the way if you're willing to listen. I'm praying, I'm praying that God finds those who gave up on the church, gave up on Christians, and gave up on God himself. I pray they come to 2911, and they find him all over again. Can I tell you something? 
the dream that I just spoke to you is a dream that is being fulfilled. For look around you, you know, if it wasn't embarrassing, I could, I, I could, point, I could point to marriages and say, stand up, stand up, stand up. I could point her all around this room, say, stand up. There's a marriage that was saved because of what God has done through the ministry of 2911. I can point, to, point you to people who, who consider themselves atheists before starting to come to 2911. I can say, stand up, stand up. There's an atheist. There's an atheist, a previous atheist before. Come to, I, can, I can have people stand up who literally lost their way and drugs and alcohol and lots of other things. And they shouldn't even be here. I can point you to people. Have them stand up right now. Here standing, sitting beside you and around you. And, and say, there's one that gave up on the church, gave up on Christians, and gave up on God. And yet today, God has brought them all back. You know, when I'm, when I'm saying all this and you're listening to this, are you getting the idea that, you know what, you're sitting around a whole lot of people that are messed up, right? Yeah, well, don't point your finger, okay? <laughs> you know, because we're all messed up. But if you look around and understand... This is not a church of, of perfect people. God never gave us that. He gave us a dream of people who were looking for God and looking for deliverance, looking for help, looking for peace, looking for salvation, looking for some hope. And God has given us that, that kind of a church. You know why? Not because we had a bunch of people. Not because we had people that were so deep in the word, but because we refused to allow our vision to be defined by our financial budget, our physical budgets. We don't have enough time to do all this, Pastor. Oh, man, I, I carry you back about five and a half years ago before we launched. I, I could point you to some people and say, Pastor, we ain't got time to do all that you're talking about. But it's happened. You know why it happened? Because we did not let our dream be defined by what we were able to do, but we allowed, we allowed God to give us a dream and say, God, we'll do our part. Now, you got to do the rest of your rest, and he's done it. Look around. He's done it. It's happening all around you. So let me, let, let me take you to the next step of this. All right, verse, uh, uh, verse 13. Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go home and do as you have said. But first, before you do what you're going to do, first make a small loaf of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me. And then make something for you yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. The jar of flour will not be used up and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the land. He asks her for a big leap of faith, doesn't he? But there's something else there also. You see it? He gave her a dream. Her dream was to die. Her dream was to eat one more meal and die with her son. But he gave her an awesome dream. He gave her an amazing dream. He said, no, let, let me tell you something. You're not gonna die today. You're not gonna die in two or three days whenever this meal is done. You're not gonna die then. That's not what's going to happen. And if you give me a cake, you're not going to die today. Let me give you a dream. And he gave her a dream that as long as this drought lasts until rain falls upon this earth, you're going to be taken care of because of your step. He gave her a dream. He gave her an awesome dream. And sometimes, I, you know, I, I think we read that, we don't realize that's what he did. She needed a bigger dream than she had, and he first gave her a dream. Before, he, he said, now you got to do this, and I'll tell you what the dream is. No, he said, here's the dream. Are you listening? Sometimes I think we miss the dream and realize God's speaking to you this morning. He wants to give you a dream. You need a dream bigger than you've got, and God wants to give it to you. He's wanting to speak right now. And while you're hurrying through and, and you're just listening to the words of the pastor saying, some of you, I believe, are missing what God is trying to speak into your heart. I'm talking to 200 people. God is speaking to individuals today. Into your heart, and he's giving you a, he's giving you a dream. He's speaking to you a dream. He's sharing with you a dream. Don't miss the dream. What is he telling you? 
What is he sharing with you today? Don't, don't miss it, okay? Don't miss it. But, but here's the thing. Here's the thing. She had to have faith, right? She had to, that was big faith because she was taking her son's, her little boy's last meal and giving it to a prophet. That's faith. Let me tell you something. Uh, let me let you off the hook a little bit here, okay? Because I think a lot of times we look at other people that, and we say, oh, they have such great faith, and I just, I, I, I just wish I could have a little bit of that kind of faith. Let me tell you something. My faith, what I have sometimes, I wouldn't call faith. Because, yeah, I look at people of faith, and I say, wow. You know, I, I, I hope one day I can get there that I can believe. Sometimes what I have, I, I don't know that I would term faith because I see people with so much better faith than I've got, you know? Sometimes I, I, you know, I'm like the disciples that come to God and say, I believe, better help my unbelief. I still got some unbelief. You know, I got some doubt there that is really fighting to knock me down. When you don't have faith, let me tell you what to do. When you don't have this, this awesome feeling that you can stand up and dare every demon of hell to come, come after you, let me tell you what you do. You just trust God, and then you hope. That, and that'll be enough. You remember what I said earlier? He lets us take baby steps. When you don't have enough faith to shout it from the rooftops and say, I believe God's going to show up and do what God said he was going to do and name it and all that, and you don't, you don't, just have the trust to know that God wants to do everything he can for you. He wants to take care of you and whatever your needs are and this dream that he is putting in you, even right now speaking to some people's hearts. Trust that he wants to do it. And then hope. Now, let me say this about hope before we go on. I don't mean say, well, I hope so. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about hope. You have a hope. And your hope is secure because of what he has already done for you. Your hope is, listen, he's already done so much for me. He's died for me. If he's died for me, then what would he not do for me? And so if you can't get to the place where you can say, yes, I have faith, you can just say, well, I'm going to trust because I know I've got hope. I got a hope because I know who he is and my hope is secure. If that's all you can do, do that. Take that baby step today. Take that baby step, and when he rewards your trust and hope, then you'll say, now God, let me take a little bit bigger step. And when he rewards that, when you say, now let me take, and then you'll finally get to that place where you're ready to take a leap of faith and let God show you the amazing that he does want to do in your life. So let's go on. Uh, verse 15 now says, she went away and did as Elisha told her. This is effort. I know you want me to unscrew your lid, screw the lid of your head and pour out everything in. You want me to, you know, tell you how to just get all the financial blessings you need. You want me to tell you how to put, all, put your marriage back together just like that. It doesn't happen like that. She had to put forth some effort. She had, you know, that little cake he was asking for, she had to go bake the cake. She had to take the flour. She had to take the, the, the oil. She had to put them together. She had to mix it. She had to build the fire. She didn't have a stove or, you know, an oven that she could go and just crank it up, you know, take off. She had to build a fire. She had to make the cake and take it to him. There is effort that has to be put forth. So, so you have to plant a seed. You don't see, I know, what, I know what a lot of us would do. You know, a lot of us are like, well, okay, you want, the, you want the flour, you want the oil, here it is. Okay, God, now just do whatever it is you're going to do, God. That's the attitude a lot of us have. I've given God exactly what he asked for, but he said, no, 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 you've got to go do it. You have to plant some seed. If you've not planted any seed, this is what we talked about last week, if you've not planted any seed, nothing's going to grow except weeds, wild stuff, the stuff that comes from our nature, 
That's what's going to grow unless you plant something that is cultivated, something. You think about cultivating, what that means? Unless you decide and say, I, I've got to get some of this in my life. And the only way to do that is plant something that is cultivated, something that you have cultivated in your heart and you've cultivated in your mind and you've cultivated with your hands. Something that you can plant and you can say, this is what I am giving to God. Maybe something he has spoken to you about, like the tithe. Oh, goodness. Are we going to talk about tithes? Yeah, we're going to talk about tithes. We've got to talk about tithes. You got to listen. This is your first time here. I'm sorry. You can ask the people. I don't, and really, I probably have to apologize to God more often than not because I don't speak enough on giving because I know a lot of people think that that's all the church is interested in is money. It's interested in money. If we're doing that, we'd be doing a lot of other things besides just having church here. We'd be doing a lot of things to raise money if, we were, if that's all we were interested in. We're interested in souls. And so I, I want you to know that out of the bottom of our heart. But let me tell you why I do speak on money when I do speak on money. God owns this whole earth. First Chronicles chapter 29, verse 11. One of our scriptures, 29, 11, First Chronicles. Says he owns it all. He owns it all. And he could demand every bit of it from us. He could tell you, you stop breathing right now. You can't have any more of my oxygen. You don't drink any more of my water. But you know what he says? He says, the tenth is holy to me. Now, I'm really speaking, I think, to our people about tithes, okay? But if you're a first-time attender, you need to understand this too. God said, this whole earth belongs to me, but here's all I require of you as far as the finances. So I want 10%. 10% is mine. And, and, and we have to give that. You say, well, you know, I know people say, well, I, I just don't understand it. God, God's kind of demanding, isn't it? Isn't God demanding? I mean, my goodness, he wants me to give 10% of my income every single week. Whenever I get paid, 10% of my income, you're breathing his air, aren't you? You're drinking his water. You're using the strength that he put inside of your body to make the money that you've made. And he says, I want you to honor me with 10%. And the 10% is holy to me, meaning that it is separate. It is not, it is not yours. Don't touch it. And so now we wonder, well, why am I not blessed in my finances? Because, you see, if you don't give God the 10 that belongs to him, there's no way he can bless the 90 that belongs to you. Okay? We'll come back to this. All right, I'll show you one more thing in that. All right, but let's go on. Uh, the end of that verse 15 says this. So there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and her family. Now, I know it, earlier she said, me and my son. But she must have had a family. There must have been other people that once, you know, once blessings started happening, she said, hey, hey, dad, come over to the house. Come over. I got plenty now. She started gathering. Somebody needs to get this. It's when you start being blessed because you have started finally figuring this thing out and you start deciding that I'm going to be a part of this and I'm going to do God, things God's way, you're going to be so blessed that you're going to start being a blessing to people around you, your family members. God's going to be able to bless you through them. For the jar of flour was not used up and the jug of oil did not run dry in keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. Only God knows the potential. Understand this, when we are operating not in our, own, in our own budget, but when we are operating in his budget, only God can tell what is the potential. Only he knows how much he can bless you. Only he knows how much he can give to you. Only he knows how, how awesome your marriage can be. Only he knows how great your future can be. Only he knows how, how, how wonderful every relationship you're going to have for the rest of your life is going to be. Only he knows and when, when, you, when you put it in his hands and he can make it that. Anybody here ever watch Shark Tank? Y'all know Shark Tank? 
Y'all like Shark Tank? My wife loves Shark Tank. She, she, she records them on the DVR, something we watch late at night sometimes. The uh, Shark Tank. If you don't know, it's going to make it hard to make this point, but let me try to make this point if I can anyway. People go in there, and there's five rich, rich people. I mean, these people have made it. Now, they, didn't, they didn't just inherit money. They made it themselves. Mark Cuban, Damon Johns, Mr. Wonderful, you know, Mr. Wonderful. Uh, and I can't even remember uh, Kevin's name on the end, whatever, his last name, whatever. But these people go in and they've got ideas or they've got businesses that they have been working on maybe for years. And they've made a little bit of money. And you know what they do? They sell. They sell part of their business. Some of them get 50000 100000 Some of them get a lot more. But most of them, is, it's not near that. And they give up part of And these guys sitting here, Damon Johns and Mark Q and Mr. Wonderful, those guys, they had not done anything. It's just they're sitting back there and they got some money. But they've also got expertise. Damon Johns, if you don't know who he is, he started FUBU, For Us By Us, the FUBU brand of clothing. And, and Mark Cuban, if you don't know him, he's the, the owner of the Dallas Mavericks. And that's, that's just the most public thing he's done. And, and I think someone told me he was the, he's the richest of all the five up there. And so what they're doing is they're, 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 they're giving some of their business over so that they can make, here's what they realize, is they realize I can keep making forty or $50,000 a year doing this business, or I've got a great idea if I can partner with one of them, they will take this not just to the next level, they will take this to the nth level, and we will be making millions and millions and millions of dollars for the rest of my life. And so that's why they give part of their business up. Because I look, sometimes I say, don't give up that much of your business, and sometimes I say, yeah, give it to them, let them do it. And sometimes you think, they're, they're, they're stupid for doing it, but they understand. That's what we're talking about here. Partnering with God is better than partnering with any of those sharks on Shark Tank. And I'll tell you, I'm gonna tell you some reasons why real quick, okay, if I can. Because one of the things is, you never know what you're gonna get when you go to Shark Tank. You might, you might get $100,000, you might have to give up 50% of your business. You never know. But God has never changed his rate. He said, I'm 10%. He said, it all belongs to me anyway, but I just want 10%. That's all he asked for. Here's another thing why, why, why God is better than, than any of the sharks. is because if you want business advice, and some of you may say, I'm going to go get some business advice. These guys are going to make me a millionaire. And say, you know, well, that might, you might be tempted to go and do that. But they're one-trick ponies. That's all they know how to do. If your marriage is in trouble, you're going to have, you know, I mean, if you, you, know, you need some money to, for your business, you got to go to Shark Tank. But if your marriage is in trouble, you're going to have to go on to Dr. Phil's show and let him help you. you, know? and, you know, or, or if your kids, you know, you're having problems with, with your kids, you know, you're going to have to go on Super Nanny you know, and let her come into your house and fix that. And so you're going to be on every reality show you can get on, you know, fix all of your problems. Or you can go to one God who's got the answer for everything that you're going through right now. And all these five guys up there, the, these normally four guys and a lady, all of them, they're strangers. They've never done a thing for you. But the God of heaven created you. He knows exactly who you are. And he's done everything for you, including dying for you. And why would we, you know, and we would say, many of us, if you watch the show, you say, man, I wish I had an idea. I'd go do that. You know, we won't put just that little 10% of God's hands and believe that God wants to do something amazing through us as well. Here, here, here's, the last, here's the last reason. Let me say this and we'll, we'll go on because we've got to hurry. Here's, here's the last reason God is better than a shark on Shark Tank. is because the first thing you've got to do is you've got to actually get on the show. 
Anybody here know Mark Cuban? I mean, personally, got his phone number. Damon Johns, Mr. Wonderful, Kevin, any of those guys? You know any of those guys? I don't think so. First of all, you got to get on the show. They are strangers to you. They've never done a thing for you. And you got to get on the show, and then you have got to get them to agree to partner with you. But God opened the door 2,000 years ago when the veil was torn in the temple, so no more is there a division between me and the people that I love. And when he died on the cross of Calvary, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, has done everything he can for you. And no longer are you today waiting on a phone call from a, a, a reality show. You don't have to wait on a phone call. God is knocking every single day. He wants to come in. He wants to be a part of your life. He wants to partner with you in every area of your life. But one of the most basic is that little 10%. You've got to take care of that as well. Only he knows the potential. Last one. Last one right here. Verse 17, sometime later, the son of the woman who owned the house became ill. He grew worse and worse and finally stopped breathing. She said to Elijah, Why do you have, what do you have against me, man of God? Did you come to remind me of my sin and kill my son? Uh, here's, see, here's what you need to know. Is, yeah, you might figure out a way to do it yourself today, but there's another problem coming tomorrow. You might find a way to get a meal today, but her son died. Now, she blamed it on the man, no, the man of God, you know, that said, here's God's will for you. She blamed it on him. If you hadn't shown up, my, now, she, her son would have died a long time ago if the man of God hadn't shown up, if the prophet hadn't shown up, but she was blaming it on him. She still needed a bigger vision. Can I tell you something? The vision that God is putting in your heart today, it is not the biggest that he is dreaming for you. It's just all you can handle. You get that? And every day, you need to believe that he's got more, and he's got more because when this, whatever this thing is that you're dealing with today is gone, there's another problem coming. When, when, when all of her family was now blessed, there was another problem. Her son died. I got to read, read you the rest of this. Let's go on to verse. I, I'm trying to hurry. Let's go on to these next verses. I was going to skip them, but you got to see this. And so Elijah says, give me your son. You need to get this, okay? Give me. Hang on, you've you got to give something, right? You've got to have some effort. Give me your son, he replied. Then he took the son from her, from her lap, carried him upstairs to the room where he lived, and laid him on his bed. Then he called out to the Lord and asked him, Lord, my God, have you also brought evil to this dear widow with whom I am living as her guest? Have you caused the death of her son? Then he stretched himself three times and cried to the Lord, Lord my God, please cause the soul of this little boy to return to him. The Lord listened to Elijah, and the soul of the little boy returned to him, and he revived. Because she gave. She gave herself. She gave her faith. She gave whatever she had. She gave it. She put it in the hands of God. It's not, it's not that she had to write a bigger check. It's that she just had to put herself into the hands of God. I, I, I got it. I'm sorry. I got to go. Let's, let's, let's read this last one. Tommy, go ahead and take me there. Elijah took the little boy downstairs from the upper chamber, back into the main house, and delivered him to his mother. Look, Elijah told her, your son is alive. The woman responded to Elijah, now at last I've really learned that you are a man of God and that what you have to say about the Lord is truth. You know what I pray? I pray that some of you, one day, look me in the face, and you say, Preacher, I've been listening to you preach a lot on Sunday morning. But you know, God, finally, I allowed God to finally show up in my life. And i got to tell you now that I believe. 
I know beyond any shadow of a doubt that what you have always been telling us about God is true. Because that's what I pray for you. I pray you learn that he is the God, not just that I say he is, but that he says he is. That he wants to pour out blessing on you that you can not even receive, much less hold on to, but that you'll end up having to pour out and hand to other people in your family and give to others. Yes, go ahead and say, as, just as a, a praise, faith praise, a faith praise. Let me, let me say this. You know, I, I really want to talk about praise right here, and I ain't got any time left. I went over my time. But, but the last thing I want to tell you about is I want to tell you about praise. We got to tell God thank you. You know, so, something I say every, every Thanksgiving, I wanted to really, I wanted to really go deep into this point, don't have time this morning, is that I feel like the true measure of Thanksgiving is how you handle the gifts that you've received. If you don't like them, you hide them. If you don't like them, you put them away and you hope nobody ever sees them. And you, what you really hope is you hope the person that gave it to you doesn't, don't think you like it and they give you a matching set next year. Right? You know, you, you didn't really like that combination, flower pot, grandfather clock. And you know, so when I come over to your house, it's not sitting up on the mantel, right? It's in a closet somewhere or you gave it to Goodwill or somebody, right? But if I'd given out $100 bills last year, what would you have done? You'd have thanked me? profusely. You would have secretly hoped inside. I hope this is a yearly occurrence at Christmas as pastor gives out $100 bills. You pray it, God lays it on me to do it, and I'm ready, okay? My vision is bigger than the budget, so all you got to do is let's just get God connected with the budget, okay? And we'll do it. But you would do that, wouldn't you? And you'd even do what? Tell other people. Let me tell you what my, man, my pastor gave me, $100. You'd tell other people, wouldn't you? God deserves the same. He hadn't given you some crazy gift that you don't love. He's given you his very best. The choice treasure of heaven died on a cross for you. Then you need to tell him thank you because you, you need him to keep giving and giving. And you need to tell others. How many of us, I'm going to ask this question. We're about to close. Okay. How many of us, how many of you really owe God some thanks for your life? something he's done in your life, or just where you are. And, and what, how many of you? Stand up. I want you to stand. If you, if you owe God some praise, stand up right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Y'all knew that was baiting, right? Y'all knew that this was, right? Now, would you join me in front? I'm sorry. I've gone extremely long today, but thank you for, thank you for staying with me. I told Tommy I was in trouble earlier. And if you're a first-time attender, we like to close around front with a final prayer and a final song. We invite you to join us. We'd just like for you to come join us. I might have skipped that last slide, Tommy. I just don't, I just don't have time. It's something I was going to share with you here, but I've gone too long here. Let me say this. Let me say this. How many of you still need something amazing in your life? Raise your hand. Hold it up. I need God to do amazing. I don't need a little. I don't need a Band-Aid. I need an amazing. Prayer team, look around. Let God lead you, prayer team. Come on, hold your hand up. Prayer team's going to be praying this week. Some of them are going to be praying right now. And if you would like them to pray with you before you leave, grab their attention. They've got a little lanyard on. It says prayer, okay? Grab them. Before, don't, don't let them get out of here. Or you can look around, find one right now. Just motion for them. They'll come to you right now. You need amazing, plant amazing.
plant amazing. I can't tell you everything you need to know about having an awesome, amazing life in God in one service. Even though I went long, I can't do it. I've told you everything I can today. Be back next Sunday. Let me tell you the rest. The next couple of Sundays, let me tell you the rest. And I promise to do my very best to not be this long in the next couple of weeks. But please be back and, and receive what God, because God wants you. Do you believe he let his son down across of Calvary so you would have a so-so life? Come on, dream bigger. The God of heaven allowed his son to be crucified so you could have amazing. Would you bow with me and pray? We're going to start singing in just a few moments. Don't start singing until you finish praying. Go ahead, Jamie, when you can. God, I pray right now over every person standing here. You saw these hands go up. Prayer team, go ahead. Go ahead, prayer team. God, I ask you in Jesus' name, Lord. God, for marriages that have been struggling, Lord, I, I pray, God, for fi fix them, God, heal them. God, bring things back together that, that, that man said it's over. That's done with. It cannot be anymore. God, for those that are having a, a hard time just standing, much less walking, much less fighting battles, much less speaking good words into their own soul, God. God, I pray for strength again. I pray and renew them, God. Stir them up, God. I pray in Jesus' name. Give them an awesome dream, God. Let them have a dream that is amazing again. That their life can be amazing. That their future can be amazing. God, that no matter, like Jamie said, no matter what our past is, no matter how bad we, we think we've been, God, that we know your goodness is much stronger than our badness. God, the dream you have for our future is much stronger than anything we've done in our past. Your ability to forgive us, God, is much stronger than the sin that we have walked in in days past, God. And I pray, God, for everyone standing here, I pray amazing blessing over them. An amazing job, an amazing marriage, amazing kids, amazing future, amazing hope, God.
thank you so much for this awesome time together. And God, I just thank you for this challenging message, God. And Lord, I just pray that you will help us to take heart, God. God, to take heart, take to our hearts, God, the words that were spoken, God. Take this challenge, Lord, to plant awesome seed. God, not just to listen to your words and listen to the challenges you give us, but God, to put action behind it, God, and to pursue it, God, and to cling tight to those dreams, God, that you've given us. God, you're giving us a dream, and Lord, I just pray that you would give us the boldness to act and to pursue those dreams, God. God, I pray for every family here, every person here. I pray for the needs represented, and God, I just pray that you will go with us as we leave today. God, we honor you. We praise you. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for being here. You're dismissed. We hope you have a blessed day.